section twenty five of the night side of nature or ghosts and ghost seers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by warren cotty gurney illinois the night side of nature or ghosts and ghost seers by catherine crow chapter sixteen the poltergeist of the germans and possession part two there was another famous case which occurred at a place called ringcroft in kirkudbright in the year sixteen ninety five the afflicted family bore the name of mackey in this instance the stones did sometimes hit them and they were beaten as if by staves they as well as strangers who came to the house were lifted off the ground by their clothes their bed coverings were taken off their beds things were visibly carried about the house by invisible hands several people were hurt even to the effusion of blood by stones and blows there were fireballs seen about the house which were several times ignited people both of the family and others felt themselves grasped as if by a hand then there was groaning crying whistling and a voice that frequently spoke to them crowds of people went to the house but the thing continued just the same whether there were many or few and sometimes the whole building shook as if it were coming down a day of humiliation was appointed in this case also but without the least effect the disturbance commenced in february and ended on the first of may numberless people witnessed the phenomenon and the account of it is attested by fourteen ministers and gentlemen the same sort of thing occurred in the year sixteen fifty nine in a place inhabited by an evangelical bishop called schlotterbeck it began in the same manner by throwing of stones and other things many of which came through the roof insomuch that they believed at first that some animal was concealed there however nothing could be found and the invisible guest soon proceeded to other annoyances similar to those above mentioned and though they could not see him his footsteps were forever heard about the house at length wearied out the bishop applied to the government for aid and they sent him a company of soldiers to guard the house by day and night out of which he and his family retired but the goblin cared no more for the soldiers than it had done for the city watch the thing continued without intermission whoever was there till it ceased of its own accord there was a house at aix la chapelle that was for several years quite uninhabitable from a similar cause i could mention many other cases and as i have said before they occur in all countries but these will suffice as specimens of the class it is in vain for people who were not on the spot to laugh and assert that these were the mischievous tricks of servants or others when those who were there and who had such a deep interest in unravelling the mystery and such abundance of time and opportunity for doing it could find no solution whatever in many of the above cases the cattle were unloosed the horses were turned out of their stables and uniformly all the animals in the way exhibited great terror sweating and trembling while the visitation continued since we cannot but believe that man forms but one class in an immense range of existences 
do not these strange occurrences suggest the idea that occasionally some individual out of this gamut of beings comes into rapport with us or crosses our path like a comet and that while certain conditions last it can hover about us and play these puckish mischievous tricks till the charm is broken and then it re-enters its own sphere and we are cognizant of it no more but one of the most extraordinary examples of this kind of annoyance is that which occurred in the year eighteen o six in the castle of prince hoholoa in silesia the account is given at length by councillor hahn of ingolfingen who witnessed the circumstances and in consequence of the various remarks that have been since made on the subject in different publications he has repeatedly reasserted the facts in letters which have been printed and laid before the public i cannot therefore see what right we have to disbelieve a man of honor and character as he is said to be merely because the circumstances he narrates are unaccountable more especially as the story strange as it is by no means stands alone in the annals of demonology the following details were written down at the time the events occurred and they were communicated by councillor hahn to dr kerner in the year eighteen twenty eight after the campaign of the prussians against the french in the year eighteen o six the reigning prince of hohenlohe gave orders to councillor hahn who was in his service to proceed to slavensick and there to wait his return his serene highness advanced from lignitz toward his principality and hahn commenced his journey toward upper silesia on the nineteenth november at the same period charles kern of kunzlaw who had fallen into the hands of the french being released on parole and arriving at lignitz in an infirm condition he was allowed to spend some time with hahn while awaiting his exchange hahn and kern had been friends in their youth and their destinies having brought them both at this time into the prussian states they were lodged together in the same apartment of the castle which was one on the first floor forming an angle at the back of the building one side looking toward the north and the other to the east on the right of the door of this room was a glass door which led into a chamber divided from those which followed by a wainscot partition the door in this wainscot which communicated to those adjoining rooms was entirely closed up because in them all sorts of household utensils were kept neither in this chamber nor in the sitting-room which preceded it was there any opening whatever which could furnish the means of communication from without nor was there anybody in the castle besides the two friends except the prince's two coachmen and hans servant the whole party were fearless people and as for hahn and kern they believed in nothing less than ghosts or witches nor had any previous experience induced them to turn their thoughts in that direction hahn during his collegiate life had been much given to philosophy had listened to fichte and earnestly studied the writings of kant the result of his reflections was a pure materialism and he looked upon created man not as an aim but merely as a means to a yet undeveloped end these opinions he has since changed like many others who think very differently in their fortieth year to what they did in their twentieth the particulars here given are necessary in order to obtain credence for the following extraordinary narrative 
and to establish the fact that the phenomena were not merely accepted by ignorant superstition but coolly and courageously investigated by enlightened minds during the first days of their residence in the castle the two friends living together in solitude amused their long evenings with the works of schiller of whom they were both great admirers and hahn usually read aloud three days had thus passed quietly away when as they were sitting at the table which stood in the middle of the room about nine o'clock in the evening their reading was interrupted by a small shower of lime which fell around them they looked at the ceiling concluding it must have come thence but could perceive no abraded parts and while they were yet seeking to ascertain whence the lime had proceeded there suddenly fell several larger pieces which were quite cold and appeared as if they had belonged to the external wall at length concluding the lime must have fallen from some part of the wall giving up further inquiry they went to bed and slept quietly till morning when on awakening they were somewhat surprised at the quantity which strewed the floor more especially as they could still discover no part of the walls or ceiling from which it could have fallen but they thought no more of the matter till evening when instead of the lime falling as before it was thrown and several pieces struck on at the same time they heard heavy blows sometimes below and sometimes over their heads like the sound of distant guns still attributing these sounds to natural causes they went to bed as usual but the uproar prevented their sleeping and each accused the other of occasioning it by kicking with his feet against the footboard of his bed till finding that the noise continued when they both got out and stood together in the middle of the room they were satisfied that this was not the case on the following evening a third noise was added which resembled the faint and distant beating of a drum upon this they requested the governess of the castle to send them the key of the apartments above and below which was brought to them by her son and while he and kern went to make their investigations hahn remained in their own room above they found an empty room below a kitchen they knocked but the noise they made was very different to that which hahn continued all the while to hear around him when they returned hahn said jestingly the place is haunted on this night when they went to bed with a light burning they heard what seemed like a person walking about the room with slippers on and a stick with which he struck the floor as he moved step by step hahn continued to jest and kern to laugh at the oddness of these circumstances for some time when they both as usual fell asleep neither in the slightest degree disturbed by these events nor inclined to attribute them to any supernatural cause but on the following evening the affair became more inexplicable various articles in the room were thrown about knives forks brushes caps slippers padlocks funnels snuffers soap everything in short that was movable while lights darted from the corners and everything was in confusion at the same time the lime fell and the blows continued upon this the two friends called up the servants nittel the castle watch and whoever else was at hand to be witnesses of these mysterious operations in the morning all was quiet and generally continued so till after midnight 
one evening kern going into the chamber to fetch something and hearing an uproar that almost drove him backward to the door hahn caught up the light and both rushed into the room where they found a large piece of wood lying close to the wainscot but supposing this to be the cause of the noise who had set it in motion for kern was sure the door was shut even while the noise was making neither had there been any wood in the room frequently before their eyes the knives and snuffers rose from the table and fell after some minutes to the ground and hans large shears were once lifted in this manner between him and one of the prince's cooks and falling to the ground stuck into the floor as some nights however passed quite quietly hahn was determined not to leave the rooms but when for three weeks the disturbance was so constant that they could get no rest they resolved on removing their beds into the large room above in hopes of once more enjoying a little quiet sleep their hopes were in vain the thumping continued as before and not only so but articles flew about the room which they were quite sure they had left below they may fling as they will cried hahn sleep i must well kern began to undress pondering on these matters as he walked up and down the room suddenly hahn saw him stand as if transfixed before the looking-glass on which he had accidentally cast his eyes he had so stood for some time when he was seized with a violent trembling and turned from the mirror with his face as white as death hahn fancying the cold of an uninhabited room had seized him hastened to throw a cloak over him when kern who was naturally very courageous recovered himself and related though with trembling lips that as he had accidentally looked in the glass he had seen a white female figure looking out of it she was in front of his own image which he distinctly saw behind her at first he could not believe his eyes he thought it must be fancy and for that reason he had stood so long but when he saw that the eyes of the figure moved and looked into his a shudder had seized him and he had turned away hahn upon this advanced with firm steps to the front of the mirror and called upon the apparition to show itself to him but he saw nothing although he remained a quarter of an hour before the glass and frequently repeated his exhortation kern then related that the features of the apparition were very old but not gloomy or morose the expression was that of indifference but the face was very pale and the head was wrapped in a cloth which left only the features visible by this time it was four o'clock in the morning sleep was banished from their eyes and they resolved to return to the lower room and have their beds brought back again but the people who were sent to fetch them returned declaring they could not open the door although it did not appear to be fastened they were sent back again but a second and a third time they returned with the same answer then hahn went himself and opened it with the greatest ease the four servants however solemnly declared that all their united strength could make no impression on it in this way a month had elapsed the strange events of the castle had got spread abroad and among others who desired to convince themselves of the facts were two bavarian officers of dragoons namely captain cornet and lieutenant magerl of the regiment of Manucci. Magerl, offering to remain in the room alone, 
the others left him but scarcely had they passed into the next apartment when they heard magerl storming like a man in a passion and cutting away at the tables and chairs with his sabre whereupon the captain thought it advisable to return in order to rescue the furniture from his rage they found the door shut but he opened it on their summons and related in great excitement that as soon as they had quitted the room some cursed thing had begun to fling lime and other matters at him and having examined every part of the room without being able to discover the agent of the mischief he had fallen into a rage and cut madly about him the party now passed the rest of the evening together in the room and the two bavarians closely watched hahn and kern in order to satisfy themselves that the mystery was no trick of theirs all at once as they were quietly sitting at the table the snuffers rose into the air and fell again to the ground behind magerl and a leaden ball flew at hahn and hit him upon the breast and presently afterward they heard a noise at the glass door as if somebody had struck his fist through it together with a sound of falling glass on investigation they found the door entire but a broken drinking glass on the floor by this time the bavarians were convinced and they retired from the room to seek repose in one more peaceful among other things the following which occurred to hahn is remarkable one evening about eight o'clock being about to shave himself the implements for the purpose which were lying on a pyramidal stand in a corner of the room flew at him one after the other the soap-box the razor the brush and the soap and fell at his feet although he was standing several paces from the pyramid he and kern who was sitting at the table laughed for they were now so accustomed to these events that they only made them subjects of diversion in the meantime hahn poured some water which had been standing on the stove in a basin observing as he dipped his finger into it that it was of a nice heat for shaving he seated himself before the table and strapped his razor but when he attempted to prepare the lather the water was clean vanished out of the basin another time hahn was awakened by goblins throwing at him a squeezed-up piece of sheet lead in which tobacco had been wrapped and when he stooped to pick it up the self-same piece was flung at him again when this was repeated a third time hahn flung a heavy stick at his invisible assailant dorfel the bookkeeper was frequently a witness to these strange events he once laid his cap on the table by the stove when being about to depart he sought for it it had vanished four or five times he examined the table in vain presently afterward he saw it lying exactly where he had placed it when he came in on the same table nittel having once placed his cap and drawn himself a seat suddenly although there was nobody near the table he saw the cap flying through the room to his feet where it fell hahn now determined to find out the secret himself and for this purpose seated himself with two lights before him in a position where he could see the whole of the room and all the doors and windows it contained but the same things occurred even when kern was out the servants in the stable and nobody in the room but himself and the snuffers were as usual flung about although the closest observation could not detect by whom the forest master radzensky spent the night in the room but although the two friends slept he could get no rest he was bombarded without intermission 
and in the morning his bed was found full of all manner of household articles one morning in spite of all the drumming and flinging hahn was determined to sleep but a heavy blow on the wall close to his bed soon awoke him from his slumbers a second time he went to sleep and was wakened by a sensation as if some person had dipped his finger in water and was sprinkling his face with it he pretended to sleep again while he watched kern and niddle who were sitting at the table the sensation of sprinkling returned but he could find no water on his face about this time hahn had occasion to make a journey as far as breslau and when he returned he heard the strangest story of all in order not to be alone in this mysterious chamber kern had engaged hahn's servant a man of about forty years of age and of entire singleness of character to stay with him one night as kern lay in his bed and this man was standing near the glass door in conversation with him to his utter amazement he beheld a jug of beer which stood on a table in the room at some distance from him slowly lifted to a height of about three feet and the contents poured into a glass that was standing there also until the latter was half full the jug was then gently replaced and the glass lifted and emptied as by some one drinking while john the servant exclaimed in terrified surprise lord jesus it swallows the glass was quietly replaced and not a drop of beer was to be found on the floor hahn was about to require an oath of john in confirmation of this fact but forbore seeing how ready the man was to take one and satisfied of the truth of the relation one night netch an inspector of the works passed the night with his two friends and in spite of the unintermitting flinging they all three went to bed there were lights in the room and presently all three saw two napkins in the middle of the room rise slowly up to the ceiling and having there spread themselves out flutter down again the china bowl of a pipe belonging to kern flew about and was broken knives and forks were flung and at last one of the latter fell on hahn's head though fortunately with the handle downward and having now endured this annoyance for two months it was unanimously resolved to abandon this mysterious chamber for this night at all events john and kern took up one of the beds and carried it into the opposite room where they were no sooner gone than a pitcher for holding kelly beet water flew to the feet of the two who remained behind although no door was open and a brass candlestick was flung to the ground in the opposite room the night passed quietly although some sounds still issued from the forsaken chamber after this there was a cessation to these strange proceedings and nothing more remarkable occurred with the exception of the following circumstance some weeks after the above-mentioned removal as hahn was returning home and crossing the bridge that leads to the castle gate he heard the foot of a dog behind him he looked round and called repeatedly on the name of a greyhound that was much attached to him thinking it might be her but although he still heard the foot even when he ascended the stairs he could see nothing he concluded it was an illusion scarcely however had he set foot within the room than kern advanced and took the door out of his hand at the same time calling the dog by name immediately adding however that he thought he had seen the dog but that he had no sooner called her than she disappeared hahn then inquired if he had really seen the dog 
certainly i did replied kern she was close behind you half within the door and that was the reason i took it out of your hand lest not observing her you should have shut it suddenly and crushed her it was a white dog and i took it for flora search was immediately made for the dog but she was found locked up in the stable and had not been out of it the whole day it is certainly remarkable even supposing hahn to have been deceived with respect to the footsteps that kern should have seen a white dog behind him before he had heard a word on the subject from his friend especially as there was no such animal in the neighborhood besides it was not yet dark and kern was very sharp-sighted hahn remained in the castle for a half a year after this without experiencing anything extraordinary and even persons who had possession of the mysterious chambers were not subjected to any annoyance the riddle however in spite of all the perquisitions and investigations that were set on foot remained unsolved no explanation of these strange events could be found and even supposing any motive could exist there was nobody in the neighborhood clever enough to have carried on such a system of persecution which lasted so long that the inhabitants of the chamber became almost indifferent to it in conclusion it is only necessary to add that councillor hahn wrote down this account for his own satisfaction with the strictest regard to the truth his words are quote, i have described these events exactly as i heard and saw them from beginning to end i observed them with the most entire self-possession i had no fear nor the slightest tendency to it yet the whole thing remains to me perfectly inexplicable written the nineteenth of november eighteen o eight augustus hahn counsellor doubtless many natural explanations of these phenomena will be suggested by those who consider themselves above the weakness of crediting stories of this description some will say that kern was a dexterous juggler who contrived to throw dust in the eyes of his friend hahn while others affirm that both hahn and kern were intoxicated every evening i did not fail to communicate these objections to hahn and here insert his answer after the events alluded to i resided with kern for a quarter of a year in another part of the castle of slawensick which has since been struck by lightning and burnt without finding a solution of the mystery or experiencing a repetition of the annoyance which discontinued from the moment we quitted those particular apartments those persons must suppose me very weak who can imagine it possible that with only one companion i could have been the subject of his sport for two months without detecting him as for kern himself he was from the first very anxious to leave the rooms but as i was unwilling to resign the hope of discovering some natural cause for these phenomena i persisted in remaining and the thing that at last induced me to yield to his wishes was the vexation at the loss of his china pipe which had been flung against the wall and broken besides jugglery requires a juggler and i was frequently quite alone when these events occurred it is equally absurd to accuse us of intoxication the wine there was too dear for us to drink at all and we confined ourselves wholly to weak beer all the circumstances that happened are not set down in the narration but my recollection of the whole is as vivid as if it had occurred yesterday we had also many witnesses some of whom have been mentioned 
Councillor Clank also visited me at a later period, with every desire to investigate the mystery, and when, one morning, he had mounted on a table, for the purpose of doing so, and was knocking at the ceiling with a stick, a powder-horn fell upon him, which he had just before left on the table in another room. At that time Kern had been for some time absent. I neglected no possible means that could have led to a discovery of the secret, and at least as many people have blamed me for my unwillingness to believe in a supernatural cause, as the reverse. Fear is not my failing, as all who are acquainted with me know, and, to avoid the possibility of error, I frequently asked others what they saw when I was myself present, and their answers always coincided with what I saw myself. From 1809 to 1811, I lived in Jacobswald, very near the castle where the prince himself was residing. I am aware that some singular circumstances occurred while he was there, but as I did not witness them myself, I cannot speak of them more particularly. I am still as unable as ever to account for these events, and I am content to submit to the hasty remarks of the world, knowing that I have only related the truth, and what many persons now alive witnessed, as well as myself. Councillor Hahn, Inglefinger, August 24, 1828. The only key to this mystery ever discovered was that after the destruction of the castle by lightning, when the ruins were removed, there was found the skeleton of a man without a coffin. His skull had been split, and a sword lay by his side. Now I am very well aware how absurd and impossible these events will appear to many people, and that they will have recourse to any explanation rather than admit them for facts. Yet, so late as the year 1835, a suit was brought before the sheriff of Edinburgh, in which Captain Molesworth was defendant, and the landlord of the house he inhabited, which was at Trinity about a couple of miles from Edinburgh, was plaintiff, founded upon circumstances not so varied, certainly, but quite as inexplicable. The suit lasted two years, and I have been favored with the particulars of the case by Mr. M. L., the advocate employed by the plaintiff, who spent many hours in examining the numerous witnesses, several of whom were officers of the army, and gentlemen of undoubted honor and capacity for observation. Captain Molesworth took the house of a Mr. Webster, who resided in the adjoining one, in May or June 1835, and when he had been in it about two months, he began to complain of sundry extraordinary noises, which, finding it impossible to account for, he took it into his head, strangely enough, were made by Mr. Webster. The latter naturally represented that it was not probable he should desire to damage the reputation of his own house and drive his tenant out of it, and retorted the accusation. Still, as these noises and knockings continued, Captain Molesworth not only lifted the boards in the room most infected, but actually made holes in the wall, which divided his residence from Mr. Webster's, for the purpose of detecting the delinquent, of course, without success. Do what they would, the thing went on just the same. Footsteps of invisible feet, knockings and scratchings and rustlings, first on one side and then on the other, were heard daily and nightly. Sometimes this unseen agent seemed to be knocking to a certain tune, 
and if a question were addressed to it which could be answered numerically as how many people are there in this room for example it would answer by so many knocks the beds too were occasionally heaved up as if somebody were underneath and where the knockings were the wall trembled visibly but search as they would no one could be found captain molesworth had had two daughters one of whom named matilda had lately died the other a girl between twelve and thirteen called jane was sickly and generally kept her bed and as it was observed that wherever she was these noises most frequently prevailed mr webster who did not like the mala fama that was attaching itself to his house declared that she made them while the people in the neighborhood believed that it was the ghost of matilda warning her sister that she was soon to follow sheriff's officers masons justices of peace and the officers of the regiment quartered at leith who were friends of captain molesworth all came to his aid in hopes of detecting or frightening away his tormentor but in vain sometimes it was said to be a trick of somebody outside the house and then they formed a cordon round it and next as the poor sick girl was suspected they tied her up in a bag but it was all to no purpose at length ill and wearied out by the annoyances and the anxieties attending the affair captain molesworth quitted the house and mr webster brought an action against him for the damages committed by lifting the boards breaking the walls and firing at the wainscot as well as for the injury done to his house by saying it was haunted which prevented other tenants taking it the poor young lady died hastened out of the world it is said by the severe measures used while she was under suspicion and the persons that have since inhabited the house have experienced no repetition of the annoyance the manner in which these strange persecutions attach themselves to certain persons and places seems somewhat analogous to another class of cases which bear a great similarity to what was formerly called possession and i must here observe that many german physicians maintain that to this day instances of genuine possession occur and there are several works published in their language on the subject and for this malady they consider magnetism the only remedy all others being worse than useless indeed they look upon possession itself as a demono-magnetic state in which the patient is in rapport with mischievous or evil spirits as in the agatho or good magnetic state which is the opposite pole he is in rapport with good ones and they particularly warn their readers against confounding this infliction with cases of epilepsy or mania they assert that although instances are comparatively rare both sexes and all ages are equally subject to this misfortune and that it is quite an error to suppose either that it has ceased since the resurrection of christ or that the expression used in the scriptures quote, possessed by a devil unquote, meant merely insanity or convulsions this disease which is not contagious was well known to the greeks and in later times hoffman has recorded several well-established instances among the distinguishing symptoms they reckon the patient speaking in a voice that is not his own frightful convulsions and motions of the body which arise suddenly without any previous indisposition 
blasphemous and obscene talk a knowledge of what is secret and of the future a vomiting of extraordinary things such as hair stones pins needles etc i need scarcely observe that this opinion is not universal in germany still it obtains among many who have had considerable opportunities for observation dr bardilly had a case in the year eighteen thirty which he considered decidedly to be one of possession the patient was a peasant woman aged thirty-four who never had any sickness whatever and the whole of whose bodily functions continued perfectly regular while she exhibited the following strange phenomena i must observe that she was happily married and had three children was not a fanatic and bore an excellent character for regularity and industry when without any warning or perceptible cause she was seized with the most extraordinary convulsions while a strange voice proceeded from her which assumed to be that of an unblessed spirit who had formerly inhabited a human form while these fits were on her she entirely lost her own individuality and became this person on returning to herself her understanding and character were as entire as before the blasphemy and cursing and barking and screeching were dreadful she was wounded and injured severely by the violent falls and blows she gave herself and when she had an intermission she could do nothing but weep over what they told her had passed and the state in which she saw herself she was moreover reduced to a skeleton for when she wanted to eat the spoon was turned round in her hand and she often fasted for days together this affliction lasted for three years all remedies failed and the only alleviation she obtained was by the continued and earnest prayers of those about her and her own for although this demon did not like prayers and violently opposed her kneeling down even forcing her to outrageous fits of laughter still they had a power over him it is remarkable that pregnancy confinement and the nursing her child made not the least difference in this woman's condition all went on regularly but the demon kept his post at length being magnetized the patient fell into a partially somnambulic state in which another voice was heard to proceed from her being that of her protecting spirit which encouraged her to patience and hope and promised that the evil guest would be obliged to vacate his quarters she often now fell into a magnetic state without the aid of a magnetizer at the end of three years she was entirely relieved and as well as ever in the case of rosina wilden aged ten years which occurred at Pleidelsheim in eighteen thirty four the demon used to announce himself by crying out here i am again whereupon the weak exhausted child who had been lying like one dead would rage and storm in a voice like a man's perform the most extraordinary movements and feats of violence and strength till he would cry out now i must be off again this spirit spoke generally in the plural number for he said she had another besides himself a dumb devil who plagued her most he it is that twirls her around and round distorts her features turns her eyes locks her teeth etc what he bids me i must do this child was at length cured by magnetism 
barbara rieger of steenbach aged ten in eighteen thirty four was possessed by two spirits who spoke in two distinctly different male voices and dialects one said he had formerly been a mason the other gave himself out for a deceased provisor the latter of whom was much the worst of the two when they spoke the child closed her eyes and when she opened them again she knew nothing of what they had said the mason confessed to have been a great sinner but the provisor was proud and hardened and would confess nothing they often commanded food and made her eat it which when she recovered her individuality she felt nothing of but was very hungry the mason was very fond of brandy and drank a great deal and if not brought when he ordered it his raging and storming was dreadful in her own individuality the child had the greatest aversion to this liquor they treated her for worms and other disorders without the least effect till at length by magnetism the mason was cast out the provisor was more tenacious but finally they got rid of him too and the girl remained quite well in eighteen thirty five a respectable citizen whose full name is not given was brought to dr kerner he was aged thirty-seven and till the last seven years had been unexceptionable in conduct and character an unaccountable change had however come over him in his thirtieth year which made his family very unhappy and at length one day a strange voice suddenly spoke out of him saying that he was the late magistrate s and that he had been in him six years when the spirit was driven out by magnetism the man fell to the earth and was almost torn to pieces by the violence of the struggle he then lay for a space as if dead and arose quite well and free in another case a young woman at gruppenbach was quite in her senses and heard the voice of her demon who was also a deceased person speak out of her without having any power to suppress it in short instances of this description seem by no means rare and if such a phenomenon as possession ever did exist i do not see what right we have to assert that it exists no longer since in fact we know nothing about it only that being determined to admit nothing so contrary to the ideas of the present day we set out by deciding that the thing is impossible since these cases occur in other countries no doubt they must do so in this and indeed i have met with one instance much more remarkable in its details than any of those above mentioned which occurred at bishop's Wearmouth, near sunderland in the year eighteen forty and as the particulars of this case have been published and attested by two physicians and two surgeons not to mention the evidence of numerous other persons i think we are bound to accept the facts whatever interpretation we may choose to put upon them the patient named mary jobson was between twelve and thirteen years of age her parents respectable people in humble life and herself an attendant on a sunday school she became ill in november eighteen thirty nine and was soon afterwards seized with terrific fits which continued at intervals for eleven weeks it was during this period that the family first observed a strange knocking which they could not account for 
it was sometimes in one place and sometimes in another and even about the bed when the girl lay in a quiet sleep with her hands folded outside the clothes they next heard a strange voice which told them circumstances they did not know but which they afterward found to be correct then there was a noise like the clashing of arms and such a rumbling that the tenant below thought the house was coming down footsteps where nobody was to be seen water falling on the floor no one knew whence locked doors opened and above all sounds of ineffably sweet music the doctors and the father were suspicious and every precaution was taken but no solution of the mystery could be found this spirit however was a good one and it preached to them and gave them a great deal of good advice many persons went to witness this strange phenomenon and some were desired to go by the voice when in their own homes thus elizabeth gauntlet while attending to some domestic affairs at home was startled by hearing a voice say be thou faithful and thou shalt see the works of thy god and shalt hear with thine ears she cried out my god what can this be and presently she saw a large white cloud near her on the same evening the voice said to her mary jobson one of your scholars is sick go and see her and it will be good for you this person did not know where the child lived but having inquired the address she went and at the door she heard the same voice bid her go up on entering the room she heard another voice soft and beautiful which bade her to be faithful and said i am the virgin mary this voice promised her a sign at home and accordingly that night while reading the bible she heard it say jemima be not afraid it is i if you keep my commandments it shall be well with you when she repeated her visit the same things occurred and she heard the most exquisite music the same sort of phenomenon were witnessed by everybody who went the immoral were rebuked the good encouraged some were bidden instantly to depart and were forced to go the voices of several deceased persons of the family were also heard and made revelations once the voice said look up and you shall see the sun and moon on the ceiling and immediately there appeared a beautiful representation of these planets in lively colors green yellow and orange moreover these figures were permanent but the father who was a long-time skeptical insisted on whitewashing them over however they still remained visible among other things the voice said that though the child appeared to suffer she did not that she did not know where her body was and that her own spirit had left it and another had entered and that her body was made a speaking trumpet the voice told the family and visitors many things of their distant friends which proved true the girl twice saw a divine form standing by her bedside who spoke to her and joseph Ragg, one of the persons who had been invited by the voice to go saw a beautiful and heavenly figure come to his bedside about eleven o'clock at night on the seventeenth of january it was in male attire surrounded by a radiance it came a second time on the same night on each occasion it opened his curtains and looked at him benignantly remaining about a quarter of an hour 
when it went away the curtains fell back into their former position one day while in the sick child's room margaret watson saw a lamb which passed through the door and entered a place where the father john jobson was but he did not see it one of the most remarkable features in this case is the beautiful music which was heard by all parties as well as the family including the unbelieving father and indeed it seems to have been in a great degree that this converted him at last the music was heard repeatedly during a space of sixteen weeks sometimes it was like an organ but more beautiful at others there was a singing of holy songs in parts and the words distinctly heard the sudden appearance of water in the room too was most unaccountable for they felt it and it was really water when the voice desired that water should be sprinkled it immediately appeared as if sprinkled at another time a sign being promised to the skeptical father water would appear on the floor this happened not once but twenty times during the whole course of this affair the voices told them that there was a miracle to be wrought on this child and accordingly on the twenty-second of june when she was as ill as ever and they were only praying for her death at five o'clock the voice ordered that her clothes should be laid out and that everybody should leave the room except the infant which was two years and a half old they obeyed and having been outside the door a quarter of an hour the voice cried come in and when they entered they saw the girl completely dressed and quite well sitting in a chair with the infant on her knee and she had not had an hour's illness from that time till the report was published which was on the thirtieth of january eighteen forty one now it is very easy to laugh at all this and assert that these things never happened because they are absurd and impossible but while honest well-meaning and intelligent people who were on the spot assert that they did i confess i find myself constrained to believe them however much i find in the case which is discrepant from my notions it was not an affair of a day or an hour there was ample time for observation for the phenomena continued from the ninth of february to the twenty second of june and the determined unbelief of the father regarding the possibility of spiritual appearances insomuch that he ultimately expressed great regret for the harshness he had used is a tolerable security against imposition moreover they pertinaciously refused to receive any money or assistance whatever and were more likely to suffer in public opinion than otherwise by the avowal of these circumstances dr clanny who publishes the report with the attestations of the witnesses is a physician of many years experience and is also i believe the inventor of the improved davy lamp and he declares his entire conviction of the facts assuring his readers that many persons holding high rank in the established church ministers of other denominations as well as many lay members of society highly respected for learning and piety are equally satisfied when he first saw the child lying on her back apparently insensible her eyes suffused with florid blood he felt assured that she had a disease of the brain and he was not in the least disposed to believe in the mysterious part of the affair 
till subsequent investigation compelled him to do so and that his belief is of a very decided character we may feel assured when he is content to submit to all the obloquy he must incur by avowing it he adds that since the girl has been quite well both her family and that of joseph Ragg have frequently heard the same heavenly music as they did during her illness and mr torbach a surgeon who expresses himself satisfied of the truth of the above particulars also mentions another case in which he as well as a dying person he was attending heard divine music just before the dissolution of this last phenomenon namely sounds as of heavenly music being heard when a death was occurring i have met with numerous instances from the investigation of the above case dr clanny has arrived at the conviction that the spiritual world do occasionally identify themselves with our affairs and dr drury asserts that besides this instance he has met with another circumstance which has left him firmly convinced that we live in a world of spirits and that he has been in the presence of an unearthly being who had passed that bourne from which it is said no traveller returns but the most extraordinary case i have yet met with is the following because it is one which cannot by any possibility be attributed to disease or illusion it is furnished to me from the most undoubted authority and i give it as i received it with the omission of the names i have indeed in this instance thought it right to change the initial and substitute g for the right one the particulars being of a nature which demand the greatest delicacy as regards the parties concerned mrs s c hall in early life was intimately acquainted with the family one of whom richard g a young officer in the army was subject to a harassing visitation of a kind that is usually regarded as supernatural mrs h once proposed to pay a visit to her particular friend catherine g but was told that it would not be convenient exactly at that time as richard was on the point of coming home she thought the inconvenience consistent in the want of a bedroom and spoke of sleeping with miss g but found that the objection really lay in the fact of richard being haunted which rendered it impossible for anybody else to be comfortable in the same house with him a few weeks after richard's return mrs hall heard of mrs g's being extremely ill and found on going to call that it was owing to nothing but the distress the old lady suffered in consequence of the strange circumstance connected with her son it appeared that richard wherever he was at home in camp in lodgings abroad or in his own country was liable to be visited in his bedroom at night by certain extraordinary noises any light he kept in the room was sure to be put out something went beating about the walls and his bed making a great noise and often shifting close to his face but never becoming visible if a cage bird was in the room it was certain to be found dead in the morning if he kept a dog in the apartment it would make away from him as soon as released and never come near him again his brother even his mother had slept in the room but the visitation took place as usual according to miss g's report she and other members of the family would listen at the bedroom door after richard had gone to sleep and would hear the noises commence 
and they would hear him sit up and express his vexation by a few military execrations the young man at length was obliged by this pest to quit the army and go upon half pay under its influence he became a sort of cane for wherever he lived the annoyance was so great that he was quickly obliged to remove mrs hall heard of his having ultimately gone to settle in ireland where however according to a brother whom she met about four years ago the visitation which afflicted him in his early years was in no degree abated this cannot be called a case of possession but seems to be one of a rapport which attaches this invisible tormentor to his victim end of section twenty five recording by warren cotty gurney illinois